Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, Manitoba Ag Days is a three-day show held in January in Brandon, Manitoba, and it highlights agriculture production, technology and equipment, and attracts exhibitors and visitors from across Canada and the United States. The Keystone Centre is a home to the trade show that also showcases new and unique products and a number of guest speakers. Teresa Valaton is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days and she shares what's new at this year's event and explains why those face-to-face conversations are so important in the agriculture industry. Online hackers are becoming more sophisticated, so there is a need for stepped-up awareness and heightened cybersecurity. Kathy Lennon, the General Manager of the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, explained to the Saskatchewan Pork Symposium that cybersecurity is about protecting your assets that are attached to the Internet, be it a cell phone, an iPad, or anything in your tractor or your barn that is potentially vulnerable to attack through the Internet. After the break, Teresa Valaton. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Teresa Valaton is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days. And like many farm shows that seem to happen over the course of the winter, planning starts well in advance, I think immediately after the last show ends. Manitoba Ag Days is a fixture, like many farm shows. So maybe tell us a little bit about the show itself and uh, how long it's been around. Certainly. Well, we're definitely happy to be getting prepped for our 47th show this year. The history of Ag Days is quite interesting, actually. It started as a weed fair, and it was just in Brandon, and then it eventually evolved into traveling between Brandon and Winnipeg. And then it slowly, over time, evolved to a two-day event in Brandon. And then in 1993, I believe it was, it became the three-day event that we are familiar with now in Brandon. And part of that was the the work that happened at the Keystone Centre to make that facility what it is today. And that allowed the show to grow and grow with that facility. So we're very fortunate to be able to have 550 exhibitors and 10 acres under uh, roof so that we can enjoy the perks of seeing all those exhibitors inside in that controlled environment. So that's, that's allowed us to evolve into that three-day show. And I think, you know, one of the things that makes it such a unique and long-standing show is that it is um, a not-for-profit organization that's put on by farmers for farmers. So the board is really proud that it's beneficial for the entire industry. It's something that is a, really a grassroots organization that pulls the industry together in kind of a unique way. And that's what makes the, the show have the flavor that it does is really put on by farmers and for farmers. It's about farmers, but I think when, when we're talking about a show of this size and, and its longevity, we're, we're also talking about the people that are involved in making it work. And, and so talk a little bit about, you know, the organization itself that plans this, your board, and, and the many, many people that are involved to, to pull this off every year. Absolutely. It is 100% a team effort um, across industry, ag-adjacent industry, and the tourism side of Brandon as well. So our board has representatives from government, industry, and 
primary producers. And then we work, as I said, with the Keystone Center hand in hand. We've also entered some great partnerships with the provincial exhibition. So you'll notice that some of the events this year will be hosted in the historic dome building. And that's another just sense of community building that we've established with that long-standing um, positive reputation of the show. And then, of course, the, the exhibitors, we have a great mix of returning exhibitors who have been here for many years, as well as new exhibitors who are showing us innovations and continuing to push what agriculture looks like and means. And so it's a really dynamic mix, and I think that's what makes the show interesting and helps people come back year after year. Of course, they want to connect with those familiar faces, but they're also curious to see what's new and next. So speaking of 2024, and I know I want to touch on innovation in speakers and that type of thing, but maybe for somebody who hasn't been to the show before, you could give us a sense of how those um, days line up. And uh, you talked about the exhibits, but what other things do you have going on? Our show is a three-day show, January 16th through 18th. So the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And each day, the exhibitors will be open all day for people to wander through, browse, ask questions, kick tires, make handshakes. Um, we also have the two speaking theaters running for the three full days of the show. And each of those theaters has a variety of speakers, which we can dive into a bit later. But you will definitely find something for every operation in that speaking program. This year, we have one new event that's kicking us off on the Monday night before the show. The 2024 theme is produced on the prairies, and this new event will be a craft beer tasting event on Monday night. As I mentioned, it'll be in the historic dome building, so that's a new event in a uh, really neat location, and we're looking forward to just showcasing all of the breweries that are local breweries and not only the products that they produce, but also the creativity and innovation, the, the people behind those products. And so it'll be a, a fun way to have a sort of um, casual kickoff, if you will. And then Tuesday morning, the official kickoff of the show happens with the welcome breakfast on Tuesday morning. So that's been a long-standing um, tradition at the show. There's a lot of uh, great opportunities for those innovators that are out there, and we know there are many in the agriculture sector, and I continue to be amazed every year. You think, we can't get anything better or newer, and somebody comes up with this great idea. So innovate, innovations are a really key part of this as well. Uh, what types of um, innovations have we seen in the past at the show? And maybe you can give us a sense of anything that you've heard of that might be featured in 2024. The Innovation Showcase is really unique to Ag Days in the fact that we have developed seven categories for those innovations to happen within. So um, rather than comparing products or services that are really not similar. It's really hard to choose a uh, grand champion or a winner, if you will. And so we've decided that rather than pursuing that avenue, we'd like to have seven categories and then really hone in on the specific different sectors and subsets in agriculture. So we have an animal livestock category, an agribusiness, ag equipment, agronomy, ag tech, and farm-built solutions and farm safety. So it's really interesting to see across that, uh, that scope of different types of innovators. So for this 
2024, we have, let's just give you a few sneak peeks. Livestock tagging technology, um, a self-propelled feed mixer, and a new formulation of molasses and mineral. And then we also have a farm gate um, mechanism, I'm going to call it. So anyone who has ever been the gate opener or closer <laughs> knows, <laughs> knows what that job looks like, and this is going to help with the installation of those gates. Then in agribusiness, we have some interesting innovations to help you analyze the data that you're collecting on your farm. So that goes from crop protection all the way to agronomy benchmarking and precision agronomy um, advising. And then we have um, an indoor greenhouse grower that will be there as well. So Vermillion Growers is producing tomatoes year-round in Manitoba. So if that is something that's interesting, um, they will be at the show. I want to talk a little bit about ag equipment because we know that that's one of, as you alluded to, it's one of those things that sometimes there's a big new something different and sometimes it's the, the tweaks or the upgrades or the little changes that we want to make. And so we see this happening at a farm-built solution level, and we also see this happening from the more commercial side where we have innovations that are improving existing technologies as well as maybe just adjusting. So we have concaves, we have um, skid shoes for draper headers, there's plow technology, cover plates in your combine, um, just weeks to continue to improve and always strive for that one more bushel, um, never just settling, right? So that's, that's the neat thing about the Innovation Showcase. Lots to see, great speakers. Tell us about all the great opportunities we're going to have to be fed and watered because, you know, when you're spending a lot of time walking around, sometimes you just need a rest and you need to refresh. So what have you got there at the show? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about that and also talk to you about how that plays into our theme. So this year, the theme, as I said, was produced on the prairie, and we have two speakers specific to that, Graham Sherman from the Toolshed Brewing Company and Albert Lee talking about tomahawk chips. And so we're talking about products that are produced right here on the prairie and the path that got them to being able to take those products to market. So that's an interesting twist on that. And then if you weren't hungry enough, before you actually get to what you can eat at the show, we will also be premiering with Great Taste of Manitoba, some mini documentaries that will highlight the ag industry and ag adjacent industries throughout the food sector and throughout that food chain in Canada. So Great Taste of Manitoba has been a long-standing supporter of ag and showcasing farms. And this year we're going to take it one step further in preparation for their 35th anniversary and produce these documentaries that really take us beyond the farm gate and show us the inside, um, behind-the-scenes look at producing equipment, producing seed, and producing healthy soils. So if you want to exclusive sneak peek at those productions. You can come see them at the show. And then the whole series will be part of the 35th season of Great Taste of Manitoba. Fantastic, Teresa. I just want to kind of wrap things up with uh, some final words from you. If, if somebody says, 
why should I go to Manitoba Ag Days? What's what can I get out of it? And and uh, and I'm talking about people directly connected to ag, but maybe people who are not so connected to agriculture. Uh, what would you say to them that the show has to offer? I think the one of the best things about the show is the energy of us all coming together in collective community, trying to be able to talk to neighbors, talk to other producers, talk to people who have used the equipment uh, at the exhibitor that you're visiting, right? So it's those conversations when you can turn to someone and say, oh, I have that concave and here's how it works for me. Or I upgraded to this conveyor last year and I was really happy with it for this reason. So it's those just authentic, off-the-cuff conversations that happen in person. And then you just get the energy of the beginning of the year this is the where the egg year begins everyone is feeling optimistic looking into a new crop season a new year and so it just has that really positive energy which makes it a great show something else i want you to comment on is the community giving side of manitoba ag days explain a little about that this year because we had such amazing support last year we have been able to increase the amount of the financial amount of the scholarship and also the number of the community grants. And so I would love to just give a appreciation shout out to everyone who supports the show through the 50-50 or ticket sales because that's how Ag Days Gives Back Fund is able to do that giving. Yeah, like really, really fortunate to um, be able to do that reinvestment. Finally, Teresa, just once again, give us the dates and where we can go to get more uh, information. Absolutely. Manitoba Egg Days 2024 runs from Tuesday, January 16th to Thursday, January 18th at the Keystone Center in Brandon, Manitoba. If you want any additional information, you can find us anytime at eggdays.com. We are also at Manitoba Egg Days on Facebook, X, and Instagram, as well as YouTube. If you are looking for a behind-the-scenes peek at what the show looks like, YouTube is a great resource to check out what um, features have been in the show in the past and kind of get a sense of just the scale and the excitement of the show. Teresa, again, thanks so much. I know uh, busy days ahead for you and the rest of the team, and we wish you all the best and uh, another successful show in January. Great. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing everyone at the show. Teresa Velaton is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days. After the break, Kathy Lennon, the general manager of the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, talks cybersecurity on the farm. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Kathy Lennon is the general manager of the Ontario Federation of Agriculture and part of the Saskatchewan Pork Symposium. You were discussing cybersecurity on the farm. So, Kathy, why has cybersecurity become such a concern for agriculture? So cybersecurity is really about protecting your assets, any of them that are attached to the internet. Um, So a cell phone or an iPad or in your tractor combine or in your barn, anything that's uh, potentially vulnerable to an attack from the outside through the internet. So I think um, in terms of what are we seeing, there's a a whole number of things in in most recent years in agriculture and food that we have seen that are causing concern. So some fairly public examples would be the JBS plant in Alberta in 2021, uh, largest global pork or largest global meat processing plant in the country subject to a cybersecurity attack. 
And um, it is reported that they ended up paying $13 million Canadian um, in ransom to get their uh, business operations and information back. We've seen it at grocery retail. So the Empire uh, grocery chain, which runs Sobeys and Safeway, they too have been subject to uh, cybersecurity breaches, which have cost them significant dollars in uh, ransom as well, uh, reporting about $25 million on their financial statements in their most recent report. But we're also seeing it on farms. So there is an example reported in Ontario in 2023 uh, where a hacker broke into a small Ontario hog farm, um, took control of and locked them out of their uh, business systems on the farm as well as uh, threatening them that they would uh, require a false confession about the treatment of their livestock in order to get access back to their information. So it's everything from farm level right through to retail. Who is responsible for these attacks and, and where do they typically originate from? So I think it's it's hard often to say where specifically the attacks are coming from. I mean, a lot of the data that we are able to see when you're able to track where the ransom comes from, which is largely by where does the money go, if money is involved, uh, we are able to see that a number of these attacks are coming from China, India, and North Korea. Um, but also in some cases, very likely it's coming from um, an, a former employee, a disgruntled employee potentially, um, or in some cases, active with an alternative agenda. Kathy, just explain for us uh, what, uh, what strategies are used and what people really should be watching for. I think probably the uh, the biggest way that folks get in, inside your business system, whether it's your phone or your computer um, or your network uh, applications in your barn or equipment, is through some sort of trickery of access finding access to your usernames and passwords that allow them to get inside. Um, so that is often done by the way of a phone call or an email or a text message or sending a link to you that you click on and then that gives them access because you have visited their website and they've gotten inside that way. Is it possible to find out exactly who is the most vulnerable in these situations? I truly believe that everyone is vulnerable and increasingly uh, over time, scammers are getting better and smarter. And uh, so we have to keep up to them. So if you have a phone or an iPad or a computer, if you do online banking, um, if you have a a system in your combine or in your barn that is run through the internet, um, you are vulnerable. And uh, and if you have employees that are doing uh, transactions and businesses for you and you've got multiple people involved, um, each one of those people presents a risk. Where does agriculture sit as far as uh, being prepared and, and readiness in this particular issue? So the University of Guelph has done some pretty great research just in the last uh, couple of years to try to assess a baseline of where is agriculture and agri-food at in Canada. And they suggest that the industry is behind in terms of identifying and implementing best practices uh, to protect from a cybersecurity threat. And it's one of the reasons why I've kind of taken this uh, taken this subject on and tried to communicate to our members at home in Ontario and, and here in Saskatchewan today, um, because I want to work to help raise that bar. So as you are speaking to producers at this symposium and, and other events, what are you telling them in terms of what they can be doing to minimize any risk? 
I think the three easiest ones to implement on the farm uh, or in your business right away are to be very careful about usernames and passwords. So make sure, first of all, that they're not shared and make sure that you're unique um, in your passwords. For instance, if you use the same email address and the same uh, password everywhere that you go, it's easy to remember and I understand why people often do that, but it means if there is a breach anywhere, uh, that means that individual now has access to all of your um, banking or programs or systems. So unique passwords um, and not sharing them is very important. Another thing to do is always take the upgrades. So in your phone or in your computer or your programs that you're using, um, don't press later when it says we've identified that there's a, a better updated version of this software. Um, oftentimes it's because that company has identified a risk or a threat and they're doing the best on their end to try to stop, stop it. And I think the third thing that people can do that's really practical is be really diligent with backing up your system uh, because in some ways, regrettably, it's not a matter of if you experience a cyber attack, it's a matter of when. And if you have a good quality um, recent backup, you can get your business back up and running as quickly as possible um, and move on. And what do you have um, for advice in terms of third-party software? Yeah, so it's definitely a valued investment to purchase third-party software that can help you in things like filtering emails that are coming in to eliminate as much risk as possible so it doesn't end up in your in-mail box or in your employees. Um, and it also can identify uh, malicious uh, software that's maybe appeared on your computer overnight um, or through visiting some website that you weren't aware was dangerous. So there's a whole number of softwares that are available and it's worth the investment. Oftentimes it's $50, $70, $99 a year uh, for some sort of ins insurance, um, so to speak, to protect your system and, and worth investigating. Any other closing comments or advice for producers? Just that I really hope that uh, folks go home from today and implement a couple of best management practices. Um, we have been looking at best management practices in all sorts of areas. One of my favorite things to say is uh, cybersecurity is not terribly unlike biosecurity. Uh, when you first start implementing those things on the farm, it's hard to get used to. It's a bit of a pain. Uh, but every day that you prevent an out a health disease outbreak on your farm and every day you prevent an uh, outbreak in your community, computer system, it's worth the investment. That was Ontario Federation of Agriculture General Manager Kathy Lennon. She spoke at the Saskatchewan Pork Symposium on cybersecurity on the farm. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of October 20th, 2023. Even with a large variation in growing conditions across the country, Canadian farmers produced another top quality wheat crop. Cereals Canada released the 2023 New Wheat Crop Report, which provides an update on the quality and functionality of Canadian wheat. Canada had excellent quality in all wheat classes this year, with the majority grading number two or better and average to higher than average protein content. 
The federal government celebrated a big win in its ongoing dispute with the United States over access to Canada's dairy market. The settlement panel rejected complaints from the U.S. Trade Representative's office over how Canada allocated its dairy import quotas. It's the second dispute resolution panel in three years to explore U.S. complaints that Canada is unfairly favoring processors over producers. The findings of the first one, released in December 2021, found largely in favor of the U.S., although Ottawa still tried to frame it as a victory. International Trade Minister Mary Ng is saying that the latest findings are a vindication for Canada's approach to import quotas. The Grain Growers of Canada, happy with the incorporation of the Competition Act Amendment in the 2023 Fall Economic Statement, a move aimed at bolstering the right to repair for grain farmers. Right to repair enables farmers to gain access to the tools and software to repair their own equipment, saving time during critical periods of the year and reducing costs through the introduction of competitive forces. Enabling cross-manufacturer communication among farm equipment expands farmers' options, driving both competition and innovation. GGC looks forward to collaborating with the government to ensure that the right-to-repair policies fully support farmers across the country. Five varieties, including one new one, have cracked the list of recommended malting barley varieties for farmers to grow in 2024. The Canadian Malting Barley Technical Centre published its annual list, offering a guide of Western Canadian producers and industries on preferred varieties based on agronomics, malting quality and market demand. The list for 2024-25 features AAC Synergy, CDC Copeland, AAC Connect, CDC Fraser, and for the first time, CDC Churchill. This year's list also breaks down differences in demand trends between domestic and international customers, highlighting how the domestic malting industry tends to adopt newer varieties sooner, while international markets take longer to move on from old varieties. Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana and other northern U.S. states are making preparations to stop an invasion of wild pigs from Canada. Officials said an exploding population of feral swine roaming Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba is threatening to spill south. The pigs are often crossbreeds that combine the survival skills of wild Eurasian boar with the size and high fertility of domestic swine to create a so-called super pig. Wild pigs already cause about $2.5 billion in damage to U.S. crops every year, mostly in southern states such as Texas. The number of avian influenza cases in Western Canada continued to climb. The risk for avian flu increases during spring and fall with wild bird migration. Stats from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency website show they'd seen a number of active outbreaks of the highly pathogenic avian influenza being reported this fall. Avian flu is not a food safety concern. There is no evidence to suggest that eating cooked poultry or eggs could transmit the flu to humans. CFIA stats showing the number of operations under quarantine is also growing. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. 
The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.